I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Oh, we got a big Sunday in NFL football. Bucks at Rams. That's going to be for a lot of things, but two really good teams, two playoff teams, I think, going against each other. We're going to break that down. But first, happy anniversary, belated. It was yesterday. To Tom Brady, 20 years ago yesterday, you stepped in for a very injured Drew Bledsoe, and you never came out. It's unbelievable. What a story uh, that is. It, it, As he said, it flew by, the 20 years did. I remember um, that time. Of course, I was still covering the league or had been covering the league for a little while. And I think the thing people forget, Steve Versnick, is that Drew Bledsoe was not only a good quarterback, he was like at that time the highest compensated one. I think he had signed like a $100 million deal. I don't think any quarterback had gotten that much money. And, you know, New England was not a good franchise. I, you know, Belichick, I think it had a had a bad year. Bob Kraft was trying to pay uh, to buy a new stadium or pay for the one that he inherited. And, and um, they needed to win. They needed to start winning pretty soon. They had begun the year 0-2. Um, especially after that game that Bledsoe got hurt, but when you when you read and you talk about you know sort of what what happened and what Bledsoe went through when he got hit by Mo Lewis, they said the sound of that hit ver- reverberated through the stadium. I mean, players and coaches still kind of shudder when they talk about it. And he was running towards the sideline, kind of lowered his shoulder. Mo Lewis just laid him out. And what was miraculous is that, and people to forget this is that. Bledsoe actually came in back into the game for one more series. He was not done. He went back into the game, and then he started to feel so bad, and he started to turn sort of ashen. And they got really nervous and scared, so they took him in. Um, and he ended up spending four days in the hospital. He sheared a blood vessel in his chest. It was very, very dangerous. He turned sort of ghostly white, and um, it was very lucky he didn't didn't have a, a you know he didn't bleed to death. So. Uh, it was it was quite the quite the ordeal. Brady uh, took over, got him down to about the twenty nine yard line, and he threw four straight incompletions, and they lost the game. I think it was uh, like ten to three or something like that. But so yeah, uh, but we know that Brady went on to go eleven and three, the improbable uh, Super Bowl win over the St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf, and he did it with a game winning two minute drive to set up Adam Vinatieri's field goal. And if I recall, the next year there was debate whether Mm -hmm. Brady would start or Bledsoe. I mean, it wasn't like he led him to the Super Bowl and it was a lock he was starting the next year. Actually, that very year, because Brady got hurt at one point, Bledsoe um, actually came in and played and played well, ran into the huddle, and, and he came back and played well. And they were going into the Super Bowl, and Belichick had to make a decision. And... The guys on the team loved Drew Bledsoe and felt many of them felt like, well, you know, he should be our quarterback, but Tom had played so well. And it was, you know, by all accounts, it was a close call. Like, you know, Belichick obviously made the right one, but, you know, this was not an insignificant quarterback. This is a guy who's one of the highest paid in the league. 
Um, when he did come in and play for Tom again and he was healthy, he played really well. And so there wasn't a guarantee that, that Brady would be the guy he chose to play in the postseason of the Super Bowl, and he wound up doing what he did. And, you know, back then um, – the Patriots were a defensive team. They had a tremendous defense, as you can imagine, because Belichick is a defensive coach. And really, you know, for a, lo- a large part of Brady's career, he's kind of a game manager, you know. Um, rarely threw for more, hundred, more than 200 yards in, a ga- in games. Certainly not the numbers he puts up now, although the league is different. But even back then, like, all he did was win, 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 no matter what, what, what. And, you know, absolutely turn turned everything around we know that but well that's part of why you know just what 14 more touchdowns and he'll have thrown more touchdowns in his 40s than he did in his 20s yeah that that is so wild and you can't find a quarterback in nfl history that did anything significant after the age of 40 just doesn't happen just no no records or or uh, anything that approximates um good quarterback play over the age of 40 and I think I told you the stat the other day. If Brady kind of maintains his pace for this year and next, he could finish as the Bucks' all-time quarter, all-time passing leader. In <laughs> three seasons, he would have the record. Well, I mean, we've it's noted insane. that no Bucks quarterback has made it to a second contract. So, yeah, well, yeah, there you go. I mean, they, their quarterbacks don't stick around very long here. They don't hang around for that sixth and seventh year. That's for sure. Um, but it won't even take Brady that long, and and. He is absolutely on pace to pass Drew Brees in the game at New England, fittingly enough. It just seems like things just fall into place for the guy, don't they? <laughs> it is amazing. So, And we were talking a little bit before I asked the question, so I'll ask it on the podcast. Right. What's the bigger substitution or guy coming out? Is it Drew Bledsoe getting hurt and replaced by Tom Brady? Or Lou Gehrig pinch hitting for Wally Pip and never giving the job back? It's a great question, and you looked up some things that changed my mind a bit. I mean, listen, I didn't know who Wally Pip is other than the fact that he was replaced by Gehrig. I knew nothing about his career. Of course, it might be because he started in, like, 1913. But aside from that, I know Drew Bledsoe, and Bledsoe went on to play and play well um, in several places, including the Dallas Cowboys. So it wasn't like, you know, Drew Bledsoe was a known commodity. Oh. You know, I I just don't know anything about Wally Pip except that he's known as the guy that was replaced by Gehrig. So I looked up some of the stats. Did you know that Wally Pip has one thousand nine hundred and forty one hits? I didn't know that. A two eighty one career average over fifteen years. Hit one hundred forty eight home runs, including. Uh, leading the league in home runs twice in 1916 and 1917 with a whopping total of 12 and 9, led the league. Yeah, but <laughs> to, to in his defense, like those ballparks oh, yeah. were like Yosemite. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it was nothing to have 425 feet to right center. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There were, there were massive oh, yeah. ballparks. No, no, I mean, that that was the totals back then. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. nobody was hitting home runs back Which then. is amazing when you think of how good was Babe Ruth to hit 700 and something. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Wally, Pitt, Wally was... Pitt finished in the top 10 for MVP once in the top 15 tw- three times, including the year after he got replaced by Garrett because he went to Cincinnati for the final three years of his career. Finished 14th in the MVP that year. 
But he was 32 when he got replaced by Lou Gehrig. So, I mean, he was older at that point. Right. No, he's had a great career. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's unfair that, that the, 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 the historical relevance to him is that, oh, you don't want to get Wally Pipped. Yeah. Like, first of all, Lou Gehrig replaced him, okay? It wouldn't matter who Lou Gehrig replaced. And secondly, the guy was a really good player. He had a war of 31.7. That's pretty good. I think we owe the Pip family an apology. <laughs> I really do. And for that matter, Gladys Knight should send royalties. I'm just saying. Gladys Knight and the Pips. Um, so, yeah. Well, anyway, Brady, you know, it's funny. You asked Brady about, hey, 20 years ago, you know, big anniversary. And we're on to Los Angeles. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I mean, kind of. He kind of went all Belichickian on us, but but I, but then you think about it, and you go, "Wait a minute." There are some anniversaries that you celebrate, and there's others that you merely observe, right? Like we don't celebrate the bombing of Pearl Harbor, December seventh, nineteen forty. You know, we do observe it though, right? Mm-hmm. Never forget nine one one, right? We observe it. We don't celebrate it. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. It's an anniversary, but hey. You know what I'm saying? Anniversaries of what? It can be infamy. Um, it can be solemn. And so for, for, for Brady, it's like, yay, I took over as a quarterback, and I've been doing it ever since. And look at all the Super Bowls I won. But then on the other side of the coin is, there's a guy that really got hurt that day. You know? Like, he, he was in trouble. He was in a hospital for four days. So you can't go, yeah, man, this is the day Mo Lewis threw us all the biggest favor in the world. And and. Broke a blood vessel in Drew Drew Brees' uh, chest. I don't think Drew Brees is selling it, is celebrating it with a nice big bottle of Chianti somewhere. You know, he came out okay. I'm I'm not again not holding a telethon for the guy. He had a fine career and all that. Um, and you know what what Brady did say though he goes and I thought this was interesting. He's always talking. You know, at this stage of his career, he's always talking to someone who wants to listen out there. But he just said. You know, first of all, he never knew, you know, you don't know. He says, you know, no one knows 20 years ago how their life was going to turn out, right? And he said in his wildest dreams, he certainly never imagined what would happen to him. Um, but he also said that, you know, you got to be ready when you get your opportunity. And mm-hmm. he said that he tries to talk to a lot of people about that because it's rare when you're just like the prodigy, right? When you're the guy, can't miss Oh, he's the guy. Step in first day and have a great career. That that that's the that's sort of the outlier, right? There's very few guys that do that. And he goes where everything's just kind of handed to you on a silver platter. Um, so most of the time, you got to go out there and kind of earn it. And he just said that he doesn't think a lot of players take advantage of that. He says I see people over the years not learning the lessons of uh, sort of learning when other people are in there doing the job. You kind of take advantage of that, you know, on the sideline and in meetings and, you know, really be ready when you when you get your chance. And he says too many too many guys really aren't, um, which was interesting to me. Of course, more and more, it's more about your draft status. If you're draft high, you're going to play whether you're any good or not. So you don't earn, you don't earn anything. It's just kind of handed to you. So, but we got to, there, there's a, look, there's a huge game. I, I've looked at this game, and we've talked about it, and we're going to continue to talk about it. I'm headed to Los Angeles on Saturday. Um, We're, by the way, the low in Los Angeles over the weekend, 50. 50 degrees, folks. And 
I was listening to Paul Delegato and reading him on Twitter. Do you know there's a cold front coming next week? Like about Tuesday? There's a little bit of dry air just north of us. It's stalled. I'm a big weather geek. That'd be nice. I celebrate that first gush of dry, not cold air, folks. Not, you know, today, I mean, as we're doing this podcast, was the first day of fall. You wouldn't know it. It was 90 degrees. <laughs> 90 and boiling. Um, but just to the north of us, a front stalled. And I mean, I, I mean like miles away from where I'm at in North Tampa anyway, where there's dry air right behind it. And by next Tuesday, we could have some 60s in the morning, folks. Be wonderful. And if this afternoon rain could stop every night, my son's Oops. baseball practices keep getting canceled. From the rain, right? Yep. It's I beautiful all day, ending. and then at 5.30, there it comes. Well, I think that's going to end because That'd of be the nice. drier air. That'd be nice. Yeah. We're about to get out of that rainy season, which seems like it's lasted longer this time. Although there is a hurricane out there, so let's not count our chickens. Yeah, you yet. see, the, actually, there's uh, two systems out there, Peter and Rose. <laughs> okay. It's, it's going to hit Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And it's not going to get in the Hurricane Hall of Fame. So right? Don't bet then, on that one. Right, exactly. But up, um, there's a million of these, right? Bet only on the hurricane to win. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's sort of break down this game, give you the thumbnails of what we think. We'll give you our predictions. No, we're not going to do that. Um, I don't want you guys to go gamble on my information here. It's never a good idea. So there's some issues with the Bucks, and this is. I said this this morning on some radio show that I go on once in a while. I that, you know, we always talk nah, about nah, why is nah, it nah. Nah, a little bit. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for teams to repeat? You know, I, no one's ever repeated. I mean, oh, I think they're going back to back. Well, this is why. Um, every year is different, and and in in football, obviously more than any other sport. I mean, there's other sports you get guys hurt too, right? Hockey was his one, but. Um, even in baseball, we've seen the IL for the race. But in football, you almost you can guarantee that the, the assassins of your team that are around every corner is injuries, period. You don't know when they're going to hit. They could wipe out a position group. They could wipe out your quarterback. They could wipe out the guys that protect your quarterback as they did last year with Patrick Mahomes. So this is what really kind of you, you got to avoid. And there's no rhyme or reason. You just got to be lucky more than anything else. And so now we're starting to see, and I said this, you know, it's one thing to say I got, you know, we got 22 starters back and look at all the guys that resigned, but there, you got to remember this too. They're all a year older. Okay. And it's very rare that you find players as they, as they get up into their thirties where they are, um, less injured and more productive. Usually you're more injured and therefore less productive. And that's just the way it goes. Now, let's talk about Jason Pierre-Paul. So, you know, he wasn't at practice earlier this week, and then he filed on Instagram photos of him getting on a private plane. Turns out he flew to Denver to see a specialist for his shoulder. He has a shoulder injury now to go with a hand injury. And, you know, usually, like a lot of times when guys go for second opinions, you go, why? Well, because they didn't like the first one, right? They're, They're looking for a better outcome. Um, this was not really the case. It was more to affirm what they had thought about his shoulder. And from what I, what I can gather is that, um, 
both the initial evaluation and the one he got out in uh, Colorado was, you know, just rest it. Like, let's rest it. Let's see how it does. We're not. There's no surgery needed right away. It doesn't sound like an IL situation immediately. Like, no, you got to go in the IL. It's not like that. In fact, a couple of people were even sort of holding out some slim hope that maybe he even plays, which I've seen JPP play with everything, right? So nothing's impossible with that guy. But at least, at least it doesn't look like it's a situation where like he's out for the year or you're going to lose him for a bunch of weeks. Um, I don't expect them to play personally. Now they're fortunate because they did a smart thing. They knew their they knew he was an older player. They they had to get, you know, more depth at the outside linebacker position, and they did. I mean, they got Joe Tryon uh Shoinka, who I think is gonna do a great job, you know, when he gets to play. He's not he you know, he's been moved around so much, I'm not sure he knows, you know, any one position right now. He's been taught about seven of them, but at least you have a a really athletic, really big body guy that if he doesn't loses gap on every play he can be a factor so okay there not as good as jpp because jpp frankly his intangibles are as big as the plays he makes he's such a leader on that on that front seven and then you have a b and it doesn't a b to be with him i mean early in the week bruce arian said it would be gravy Uh, we've not seen him at practice you got to have uh, if you're asymptomatic, which we don't know, but you got to have two negative tests with 24 hours in between. So we're kind of right there. If he isn't at practice today, um, doesn't get on the plane, then he's done, probably not going to play. And he wouldn't have practiced. I, I think the one position that these guys feel extremely comfortable at is receiver. Um, Scotty Miller hasn't had a single target. He's played two games, not one target. Tyler Johnson has one catch for five yards. These guys are chomping at the bit to play, right? Uh, they didn't have A.B. a year ago. They went to Green Bay, and Scotty Miller absolutely made the biggest play of the season, okay, at the end of the first half. We've seen him routinely take the top off the defense. Um, deep shots after deep shot. He had five touchdowns last year. Brady connects with him very well. So he will play. Tyler Johnson will play if they don't have – you know, Antonio Brown, although I still think it's a very big loss because it could have, it, you know, may have been Brown's day. We don't know if, if he, if he'd have been with them or if he's going to be with them. So that's one thing. Um, but you know, of, of the two, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not entirely like sure that that defense can handle many more injuries. I mean, they, they've lost Sean Murphy bunting. So you're down you're down a corner. You can play the three safeties if you want to together. Um, but this receiving group with Robert Woods, you know, with uh, Cooper Cup, who's just absolutely stellar, and, of course, Deshaun ja- when Deshaun Jackson is your number three or four, you're loaded, you know. And Deshaun's not the player he once was. Don't get it wrong. But he'll be motivated to go against these guys. He's back in his hometown. They haven't really got him involved all that much. So... You know they, they they just have so many weapons, and they got a they got a quarterback now that you know is not going to make that many mistakes, and he's got a huge arm. You know, so you know a year ago when they came in here and they threw it fifty one times, it was short passes, and you know um, you didn't really have to word defend the whole field. They didn't tackle well, and they maintained possession and. And all of that, but Jared Goff was—he was good that day. He wasn't great. He had a couple of interceptions, um, but they just got the ball out of his hands and he threw it short all day. With Matthew Stafford, 
he could just rip it. I mean, he could throw it further than you think he can. Um, and so you may think you have a receiver plastered and then the ball goes over your head. So they've got to worry about that. You know, they got to worry about his arm and older quarterback. I mean, this looks, this feels so much like what the Bucks did a year ago to me. You know, Stafford is not Tom Brady, but he's an experienced quarterback. He's way better than they got. And they felt like they were one gunslinger away. And you know what? He looks great. Um, Sean McVay is one of the best play callers in the league. I mean, he's up there at the very top. Now, he's been sick. He doesn't have COVID. I don't know what's going on. He's mispracticed. That's probably not a good thing. Um, but he's excellent, and he had a great game plan a year ago. I think this is going to be one of the games of the year. I really do. I think we're going to look back at this, and both these teams are going to be playing in in you know January in the playoffs, and we'll just see if this game doesn't factor in like home field somewhere down the road. Because I think it, I think these teams are both that good. I think both of them are going to go a long way. So, looking forward to it, man. Should be really good. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, so here's what I thought was really cool the other night. I watched the Rays clinch a playoff spot. And, of course, they beat Toronto. We'll get into the whole beanball thing and Kevin Kiermaier here in just a second, but I got to be honest with you. Like I, I don't have great expectations for them in the postseason. I know I should. This is ridiculous, right? I mean, this team may win a hundred, a hundred games in the American League East. Okay, win the East, third straight playoffs, went to the World Series a year ago, and here I am going. Yeah, I don't know. They don't seem like. It. Listen, when you saw those guys, a couple things I really liked, like really liked. Okay. This was one of the, the you get the champagne was on ice for this game. Okay, you celebrate, you made the playoffs. They had the bubbly. It wasn't over the top celebration. They expected this, and they had every right to because they they've had a substantial lead for a while. But more than that, this is the third straight year. This team has gone back three straight years together now. And what I thought was really cool about it is, is it wasn't over the top. They were like, yeah, we're excited, we won. But you know what? It's still a big deal to make the playoffs. If you don't believe me, let's start naming the teams that won't this year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a big, It's hard to get there. And that's the first thing that they – and I'm sure Kevin Cash said to them, hey, guys, you know, enjoy this. Like, you know, this is a big thing. There's a lot of teams that aren't playing in October this year. We're one of the ones that do, that are. So, number one, it's a big deal to make it. Number two, when you listen to these guys, and, and Trisha Whitaker was, was interviewing a bunch of players and they, they had cash on, it, it doesn't matter what we think. It really doesn't matter what you think when you watch them. These guys believe they're going to go and they're going to they're gonna win it. They think they're going to take another step. They're so, there's so much cohesion on this team. There, there's such a great you know, esprit de corps. I mean, it's like they these guys really do sacrifice and really do um, – like playing together, um, and that is such a big thing in sports, preferably pro sports, that 
I kind of was like, so I kind of sat back and enjoyed those interviews. I was like, eh, it's kind of a special group when you get right down to it. A lot of guys had big years, man. A lot of guys. And yet, you know, whether it was Brandon Lau hitting 34 home runs, he'll sit for two days, you know, like just sit, not be in the lineup. Um, there's, there's guys up and down the board like that, you know. So it's a it's a cool team. I mean, it's some guys. Meadows had an enormous year. Mm-hmm. Well, they, year. they've set the franchise record for runs already with yeah. nine, with nine games to go, which is huge. Actually, they had set it with ten games to go before right Wednesday's game. They've increased their run output or ranking in baseball for five straight years. Five years ago, they were twenty fifth in baseball and runs scored. They're now second behind the Astros. Beautiful man. Uh, this this stat blew me away. The Rays have clinched the playoff spot for the third straight year. I'll name you a franchise that has never done that, and you'll be shocked. Okay. The Cincinnati Reds. Really? With a big red machine and everything, huh? Never been to the playoffs three years in a row. Wow, that is shocking. Now, some of those were, were, you know, back then you didn't have five teams make the playoffs. You didn't have wild cards. Right. So, I mean, part of that's that. But, I mean, they went back-to-back championships but didn't make the playoffs the year before or year after that. I think they also had the Pirates. Yeah, oh, yeah. They had, yeah, the Pirates were competing. But, I mean, that that blew my mind away. The Cincinnati Reds, I was like, really? And Wander Franco should be back tonight. Yeah, they absolutely need him. Mm -hmm. Um you know, he not only is he one of their best players, I mean the guy is just you know, brings a lot of energy and all that stuff, but but look, they've not had and this would be the one thing that I would want to do if I were them. They've not had a good uh September. They're like five hundred or around there, maybe even a little below, but mm-hmm. um you know, you look at the other months and they just they just crushed it, right? Like they just built such well, a, a big lead. April they started thirteen and fourteen. Yeah. An incredible mm-hmm. May at twenty two and six. Right. June they went twelve and fourteen. Yeah, it wasn't good, you're right. And then July was sixteen and eight. August was twenty one and six. So May, July, and August, they led the majors the best record in baseball for three months. That's hard to do. Now September they're now ten and eleven. Ten and eleven. Okay. So they're one game as we do this, they're one uh for start right. tonight's game, they're one game under five hundred. I would want and, and here's the thing, because you're gonna run this balance between who do we rest if we if we clinch mm-hmm. this, if we get home field that Houston series could mean home field throughout the playoffs, but I would I would really want to be playing my best baseball going into this, and mm-hmm. so you got to kind of figure like where's the sweet spot between rest and playing well. They're not playing their best baseball, and that that's the one thing that would get me a little bit is like mm, we're kind of coming off a bad month, you know. Mm-hmm. And what if that carries into the postseason? Now, you know, if you get thirty five thousand people at the trop screaming and waving hankies. That can change your whole demeanor, right? Absolutely. Pretty quickly. Absolutely. Um, but it is a, it is a second season, and usually nothing that happens in the regular season matters. You're all O and O, and you you all got a chance. But I would just just if I was on that team, I'd be like, let's let's play our best baseball here. Let's let's go out and start scoring some runs and pitching better. And well, with, with the addition of Wander Franco, so the games that Nelson Cruz and Wander Franco have been in the starting lineup together. Right, they're averaging six point four runs a game mm, in thirty five thirty five games. It's really good when those two guys are in the lineup, and Nelson Cruz has been in, out of the lineup a few days here, and Wander Franco, of course, hurt. Putting those right. guys, two guys, back in the middle of that lineup changes. It's huge. Oh yeah, it's huge. Now the pitching has been a little more leaky of late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they got to figure that out, and and they're getting some guys back. 
Um, you know, that does worry me a little bit. I mean, Patino hasn't looked quite as sharp. Right. Drew Rasmussen's wiggled out of some jams. Mm-hmm. Shane Boz looks really good. No, yeah. you know, we'll see. You know, that's one start. We'll see. Well, we um, saw Michael Walker out of the bullpen. Is he going to be on their roster? I don't yeah, know. I, I don't think you see Walker or Yarborough in the postseason. Or Patino, if, if they are, they're a, 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 you know, a bullpen guy to eat some innings if you're down or something. You know. But Patino pitched and pitched pretty well, but they didn't let him pitch long. They got him out of there. No, I think quick. they saved some innings for him and such. I mean, they yeah. had a big lead. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you got the big lead. Let's go ahead and save your innings and mm-hmm. save you for the postseason. Speaking of big leads, which led to a seven to one, I think it was the eighth inning. Maybe it was seventh. Kevin Kiermaier at the plate. Yeah, he got plunked. And Barecki plunks him. Yeah. Who didn't know that was coming? Well, apparently he didn't. When talking to him after the game, I mean, he was like, "I thought that they, if they were going to do it, they would do it early." And I had frankly forgot about it. Well, they didn't forget about it. No, no, they weren't going to do it early. They they needed that game. They weren't going yeah, to do it until the game was out of hand either way because exactly. they need to win every game. They're out of the wild card at this point. Right. Right. I mean, that loss that, – the Yankees passed them with that loss on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Now they're half game back. I mean, and they've got to play the Yankees, so you control your own destiny there. I was surprised it took Joe West and those guys that long to toss them. Like, it, it, they actually had to have a discussion about it. Kevin Cash, both benches kind of emptied and, like, bowed up, but, like – it's like, yeah, he just hit him in purpose. Like, come on, man. The whole world and, knew it. And, yeah. And so uh they finally throw him out and then of course they throw them they threw the man did they throw Montoya out? No, they threw the, no, the pitching, pitching coach. coach. Yeah. What was with that guy, by the way? Uh, that's how about faux outrage. Oh my goodness. I mean, stick up for your guys, but don't come out there like you're, you know, Dan Campbell in your first press conference. Yeah. I mean, like, relax, man. Veins popping out of his neck. It was funny. Joe West at one point turns to turns to Montoya. He says, "Get this guy out of here. <laughs> Just get him out of me. Get him away." No, he said, "Get him away from me." That was what he said. He goes, "Get him away from me." It was hysterical. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the pitcher goes back, gets tossed, he's high five, and he's like getting, you know, getting the congratulations in the dugout. It's kind of obvious, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was seven to one. If it was, you know, two to one late, they aren't hitting them. Because they need yeah. that game. It's seven yeah. to one. He knew he was getting tossed. Yeah, I don't get what Karemeyer came up and said. Like, I, I hope we see these guys again. Really? What are you going to do? Yeah, it's the playoffs. <laughs> it's you're not going to go do anything in the playoffs. You're not going to hit any. I mean, you're not going to have a beanball war. I mean, you know, unless it's you know out of control in the ninth inning. But I mean, yeah, but I mean, but it should be over, right? And he yeah. took the card. They hit him. Okay, we're yeah, done. It's over. It, it, you know? If it's not, then someone's got a problem. I mean, yeah, it should be over. It's just you can't you can't in the postseason you can't afford getting anybody tossed. No. It can't happen. So I don't know what he's talking about. I actually think Toronto has some really good guys on their ball club too. I like oh, most of their guys. That lineup is stacked. Oh. But yet the Rays have scored more runs than them this year. Yeah, they have. I mean that's that's you know, you look through that and it's I mean the Astros the only one that scored more. Yeah. Well, the Rays, I mean, they do think like they their at bats are just they battle you every single at bat for every single pitch. It's really something. Well, it's, to watch. it's still the way they beat up on bullpens. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is it is absolutely incredible what they do. 
runs after the seventh inning. In the seventh yeah. inning. On. I'm, I'm going to look some stuff up here real quick to see where they're at. The Rays have scored 300 runs. That's 40 mm. more than the Giants. Wow. Wow. And 42 more than the Dodgers, who have played more games in the Rays, too. That's impressive. As, well, although they set, the Rays have played more than 150 games. This is, this obviously isn't updated but for the last couple games. But, yeah. but still, it's just incredible what they do late in games. Yeah, I mean, they're never out of it. You never feel like they're out of it, and that's that's a real credit to them. Still not locked down with the bullpen. I still don't know, you know what that's going to look like. They'll mix and match, obviously. Again, you you just got to give credit to the whole the whole organization for putting things together the way they do. For Cash being able to sell it, for the players buying in, you know. I think the Rays, and I have no idea what they're going to do. I think they're going to do something crazy with their pitching staff in the postseason. I don't know what. You know, the opener was viewed as crazy a few years ago. Yeah, they may do some crazy. Th- who knows? I mean, I, who knows what they're cooking up in that baseball ops department? Maybe you throw the same guy every game, two innings. <laughs> First knows? two innings. Who knows? I mean, you go McClanahan, followed by the next day Mcclanahan, the next day McClanahan. You know, no, six off days and stuff. Could you days. do that? Maybe you could do that. Who knows? I'm just saying, like you could yeah. be as you could be as crazy as you wanted to be, right? Yeah, I mean, you know. Who knows? I mean, no they've got stats and numbers on everything to say what they, you know, and it seems to work. Pretty right. much everything they do seems to work. So It does. I mean, they're it's, definitely going to do it different than most teams in the playoffs this time. That's for sure. But it's it's an incredible – I mean, their magic number to clinch the division, I think, is four. Yeah, yeah that's big. Be, yeah, four is their magic number. Uh, the magic number to win the best record in the AL is eight, I believe. Eight. That's a bigger number. Yeah, because Houston's only two and a half back. Now, they're playing – they're just started as we're recording this, so they're playing the Angels. So, depending on what they mm-hmm. do tonight, that could change that number. But by the time you're yeah. hearing it, the number could be seven. But Joe Ma could definitely help them. Yes. It'd be nice if Joe Ma did. Yeah, let's go, Joe. And oh, Lightning, Lightning I- had their first practice on Thursday. I saw that. I, I saw uh, a couple of interviews, Steven Stamkos, Alex Kalorn talking about Champa Bay, mm-hmm. how they've gotten to be uh, fans. And it is true. This is one of the smallest big cities, you know, in America. I mean, a lot of those guys, I'm not giving out addresses, but let's face it, a lot of those guys live in South Tampa mm-hmm. and um, from all sports, from the Rays, from the Lightning in particular, and, yes, the Bucks, including one quarterback that we know. And, you know, they see each other a lot. Like, mm-hmm. they're out in a boat, as they say in Canada, and they see each other quite a bit. And they, they also support each other. They go to games. Uh, Stamco said that he's been to both both Bucks games already this season. Um, and, uh, yeah, and Kalorn, Kalorn was talking about how um, they, you know, they've gotten to be friends with some of these guys and they do things and they mm-hmm. see, see guys out and, and around. So it's, it's kind of neat what they got going here. And that, you know, you won't see this for a hundred years when it ends, it's going to be ending, but it's really fun right now. If you're a Tampa Bay sports fan, you know, God bless you. You were born at the right time because this is not normal, but no, like I've said, my boys don't understand what it's like to no. follow a losing team. Goodness gracious. <laughs> no. I mean, even the rowdies I mean, are leading their division or leading. Yeah. Their conference. Stamkos mentioned the Rowdies. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to throw them in there. 
I went to the crazy. game. I went to the Rowdies game last weekend. They won six nothing. It was incredible. Yeah, I think they missed the extra point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they they're good too. So yeah, it's something in the water, man. But uh, but we it, could use some more boat parades. I'd be good with that. I'm okay with boat parades. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even though we know now that the Lombardi Trophy does in fact float. Yeah, that's all right. Does the baseball so, trophy float? I have no idea. We don't know. Would they take that out on a boat? I guess they would. I would think so. I don't. I mean, winning World Series. I don't know. You know, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. It's damn hard to win a Stanley Cup, and they won two in a row. But winning World Series, and this, you know, with baseball being what it is, where there, there's no salary cap and. You're the smallest of small market teams, and oh, you mean like the the oh, is it, was it, it wasn't Jeff Passan? It was the writer that said, "Is uh, is the Rays bad for baseball?" Right. Which I find it funny. Was that Tom Verducci? Yeah, I, I think it was Verducci. Yeah. Is the Rays bad for baseball because of all the moves and everything they make? But they keep hiring everybody from no, no. the organization. Do you realize the Dodgers? have used more players and more pitchers this year than the Rays. I heard that. They've sad, made yeah. more transactions than the Rays. Yeah, I heard that. Where's the is the Dodgers bad for baseball article? Well, and, and furthermore, who's their GM? Oh, yeah, Andrew yes. Friedman. He used to be here. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. If it's so bad for baseball, why is baseball exporting it to every team in the major leagues? Somebody wants yeah. somebody from the Rays every year. But I don't see the article saying the Dodgers are bad for baseball. No, of course not. And you won't. But, yeah, they've had more transactions, more pitchers, more players. Yeah. That's nah, just perception's reality, mm-hmm. man. You know, they're an easy target. You got the trop. You got the lack of fan support. You got a lot of reasons why people that cover baseball can. But this weekend's the last home series till the playoffs, so. Yeah, get out there, man. Marlins in town. The Florida Cup or whatever they call it. The <laughs> Florida Cup, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. The Paul Bunyan Trophy, I believe, is what they're playing yeah, for. And then hopefully uh, home playoff games starting uh, the week after next. Yeah. Well, I just remember that when they had that building full, and Ooh. you got to go back pre-COVID 2019, game four and five against the Astros, that place was lit, lit for a baseball game. Yeah, game, game. three, was that was the, the blowout game, like 10 to right. whatever. And Isaac game four, which was a great game. game that was the yeah. game they had the the perfect relay from oh, center field. I've never heard the building that loud. That was oh my god! So was it was what, three nothing. It was like the fourth right. inning, something like that. I could have the inning wrong. Mm-hmm. Altuve's at first. The Astros starting to get a little momentum. Yeah, and then they that perfect relay just just ended the game right there. I mean, and that building erupted. It went. It was shaking. I mean, I, there's not many. I've not been around. I've been to some lit stadiums before, obviously, but I've not heard the trop sound like that before. It was incredible, and uh, it was becoming a real dome field advantage. So hopefully, you know, folks will at least during the postseason. I mean, obviously, if they play the Red Sox or they were to play the Yankees, we know that half the people in there will be rooting for the wrong team. But you know, can't do anything about that. But if it's all race fans, that that's that's going to be pretty special, um, and it's always nice to see that building full. You know, so man, we're just we're just we're these next two weeks now. You know, the Bucks going to the Rams, and then next week we're already kind of there. The folks in Boston are already writing about Tom Brady going back to Foxborough. Mm-hmm. I saw that. 
a couple of them down here. Tom Kern from NBC Boston has been in town. Uh, Guerrero, Alex Guerrero is talking to media up there. Did you see uh, Tom uh, Brady's dad was on media up there? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know what's great is that, first of all, he's a dad, so he can say whatever he wants. You know, Tom just – he had, you know, he can write checks Tom has to cash. But, like, basically, uh, if you didn't see, he was on one of the shows and, and uh, you know, he's just sort of asked about Belichick and getting rid of his son. And he goes, heck, yeah, yeah. He, he, didn't, he didn't want him. Didn't want him, you know. And they asked if he felt vindicated. He goes, you're damn right. you damn right. Does Tom feel that way too? You're damn right. <laughs> so, and then Tom came out. He says, oh, well, you know, people that love me, a lot of emotion. It's very, you know, it's heartwarming or whatever he said. But they don't, they're not out there. They don't know. You know, I had great times in New England. And then he went on to, you know, spend about five minutes talking about how much he loves it in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> I go back to there's nothing more anti-Belichick than Tommy and Gronky show that they have <laughs> that on their is, social that media. Is the absolutely there, anti-Belichick. There is nothing more trolling the Patriots than that right there. Could you see the Patriots video and social media team going to Belichick? Uh, yeah, we'd like to take a couple players and do a show. I don't, I don't understand why. I'm not going to do that. No, nah, it's the Patriot way, man. It's the no, Patriot no. way. Your job is to videotape the other team's sidelines, not do shows. Yeah, there you go. Aim those cameras over there. Pick up a signal or two. I imagine they probably know Tom's audibles by now. You know, whatever his hand signals is. We'll get into all of that. Like I said, you'd like to think that Boston Week doesn't start until Sunday at like 7 p.m. or something like that, but it looks like it's already here. We're going to skip right over the Rams. But these next two weeks, you know, I feel like they got to win at least one of these games, if not both. Well, it's and the other part of this is look; these are the first two road games of the year for the Bucks. Yeah, and it's hard, and, and it's with hard crowds. I mean, you know, full crowds. You know, in the playoffs, yeah. you had some, and last year, a couple venues had some fans, but not not no, what you're going to face now. Yeah, this is big time, and there is a home field advantage in the NFL, unlike some places. There really is. So, particularly with good teams. Yes. Yes. Right. You can beat a bad team on the road any time, but. You play a good team, it's usually their advantage. And the Rams are a good team. I'm interested to see so- SoFi Stadium. That's going to be fun. Right, It's near the airport, but uh, beautiful-looking stadium. You know, the newest newest one. So that'll be neat. And, hey, maybe they'll be back there in uh, February. Who knows? Chance to check it out. File away some uh, some experiences. Yeah, get that scouting report now. Yeah. Well, I remember when you know when the Chiefs came here a year ago. They asked Patrick Mahomes, and he goes, yeah, it's kind of fun. You know, he's just walking around thinking, you know, get used to this because we, we probably will be back here. And they were. They were. That's arrogant, but they knew they were hey, good. They were good. You know, the Bucks are pretty good too. And it, and the Bucks just haven't played a really good game yet. That's the thing. And they beat a pretty good – what looks to be a pretty good Dallas team. Um, they beat up on a pretty bad Atlanta team that they let crawl back in the game. I still think they can play a whole lot better. Not a little better, a whole lot better. I haven't seen their defense play well yet. And, you know, the two pick sixes notwithstanding, I mean, those balls were batted up in the air, um, which, you know, you credit the rush. But for the most part, you know, they just to me, they haven't looked like a Super Bowl defense. They just haven't. So they definitely need to uh, to come out and play better. 
So anyway, we got uh, yeah an exciting weekend. Um, the Rays on their final homestand, right? Final home series. Final homestand, yeah. Hot final home against, series against the Marlins. Yep. Yeah, college football a week or all day Saturday. Tennessee at Florida, Louisville at Florida State, USF going all the way out to BYU. Late night with the the Bulls. Late night with the Bulls, really late the night, yeah. So that'll be fun. So great weekend. I'm headed out to L.A. on Saturday. Uh, was out there two years ago. Probably coming back on the red eye. <laughs> Not going to enjoy that at all. Um, but so it'll be my thirty hours in California. But uh, we'll be talking to you from there on uh, Monday morning when you get this podcast. We'll be doing it Sunday night. So uh, that's the next time we'll check in with you. So appreciate you guys listening. Uh, We're here every Monday through Friday. Enjoy the weekend. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great one, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 